Hey, Pete. Hey, Aaron. So you know how we have trouble with the intro for this show? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little conversation that happened with my wife uh, earlier today uh, where she found out I was recording today and she goes, what are you recording? I said, a couple episodes of Don't You Dare. And she goes, what, what is Don't You Dare? And I explained the concept of the show to her. And she looked at me for a second and goes, and you called it Don't You Dare? <laughs> uh, and I think that can work for our intro for today. <laughs> <laughs> and you called it Don't You Dare? Just like, yeah, yeah, okay, you get the concept. You called it Don't You Dare? <laughs> yeah, you know what, honey? Naming podcasts is difficult, all right? We also don't do it frequently enough no. for this uh, particular program. We don't yeah. do it frequently we don't. Enough. It doesn't have its, its own feed. Yeah. I don't have to type it in a hundred times a year. No, it's – I mean, we fucked up with our first name for our main podcast, which we love to watch when we called it Listen to Our Podcast. Um, which we even got feedback afterwards that people were like, you should have kept calling it Listen to Our Podcast. I know. And I was no, like, you- we went we went from uh unsearchable like pure like a- absolutely unsearchable without quotation marks to uh moderately searchable moderately searchable uh and yeah so what is this We're, our main podcast our main uh our main piece as they call it is our flagship show is uh we love to watch where we're a movie podcast and we talk about uh movies uh, around themes of stuff over months and then occasionally when we want to talk about something else or movies that don't fit into a theme that we can think of uh we do episodes of don't you dare which is a podcast where aaron and pete from we love to watch fame from well, maybe from star trek fame a much better name for our other side show um <laughs> uh, dare each other to experience media that Uh, It's almost exclusively been media that we love or used to love. We have yet to really force someone to do something that we hated, I think. Uh, but but it's out there like that is on the table and the 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 thing is we can make the other one watch or listen or do something with a piece of media uh, that uh, is the only caveat is that they have had to have never experienced it, watched it, read it, listened to it before and uh, so, Peter, this was your dare to me, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we did a, a new first for this. Maybe a first for the internet, as far as I know. Uh, probably not, but uh, <laughs> where you dared me to listen to a podcast, and I was like, great. Uh, which We Love to Watch episode do you want me to listen to? Because uh, I was not aware there was other podcasts. Uh, I assumed- The damnedest thing. I assumed that the reason our listenership wasn't like I mean it's good it's in the the hundreds but it's not like in the millions as I thought it would be is because we're trailblazers we're ahead of the curve and uh people just haven't got into this as like a medium yet. Mhm. Pe- yeah. Yeah, people just they're, they're not podcasts are not hot right now. I mean I think even the concept like you know I think the first media that we all know of is was books. Uh, and then there was paintings, and then there was TV, I think, and then movies in that order, that exact <laughs> order, with nothing else. And so people are used to uh, media that's that's visual, uh, or at least a component of visuality. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, they'll watch a movie that has sound, but sound disconnected from a, from a moving picture or a picture? 
some nonsense. Even music, which is something I've heard of, don't don't write letters. They have album covers, right? There's this idea that you look at the picture and then you read all the notes within that says who worked on it, who mixed it, who produced it, some thank you letters. Uh, sometimes it has uh, all of the stuff they're singing written down for you conveniently. Uh, you know, that's still mainly known. Music is mainly known as a, as a visual art uh, with accompanying sound. So this is just... Like, it's out there. And that's why I assume uh, for the last five or six years that uh, we were not huge. Uh, we were the Lewis and Clark. Of- yeah, I, I think the problem is expectations. Because I think in this sort of field, people expect uh, a, a little Orphan Annie, you know, a Lone Ranger serial. Um, but since we're fam- kind of the I'm not familiar. Do- uh, I'm not familiar with any of those things. Uh, yeah, because uh, nobody is under the age of 90. And uh, that's kind of, you know, where the form of podcast started um, was in the days of Little Orphan Annie. Yeah. So I found out again, I found out there was other podcasts. I found out uh, just now that there was something that preceded podcasts that I guess, what would you call it? Serials? Hmm, Progenitor? Radios? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. For this bit to work, I'm just learning about the concept of radios. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard of those. I didn't know that. I thought they were a myth. <laughs> <laughs> like Shangri-La. Yeah, Shangri-La. Or Dorado. I, I heard someone tell me the rest of the story. Shut up, Grandpa. No one told you the rest of the story. I swear to God, it just was beamed into me like Richard Dreyfus driving my pickup truck. <laughs> It seized me and told me about where uh, almonds were originally came from. <laughs> Grandpa, you go to the home. <laughs> I already live in a home. I no, live no, in the yeah. home. The home. Yes, my home. <laughs> Seven forty-two Sycamore Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So anyway, so uh, station break. We're back. Peter has caught me up on the history of radio and podcasts. We were not the first. We're not even close. Uh, so it makes sense. Little Orphan Annie than us. <laughs> and then this thing that you recommended to me. Yeah. Which I believe is called SCTV. Uh, yes. Uh, Rick Moranis is a master of many voices. Uh, yeah. Every episode I, I saw, I was like, poor John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> this is not turning out good for him. Well, these episodes are, but historically, no. Historically, no. Yeah, long enough uh, timeline. He didn't make it. He did. He was probably my first. This is a weird tangent, but he was probably my first celebrity death that I knew who he was and was sad about it. Uh, I would I mean, he died. He died, but he's one of the first celebrities I mourned. Uh, who I was like, but did he die when I, you were I, two? I watch, How like, did you mourn him? movies like Canadian Bacon? And be like, um, and be like, oh man, I miss John Candy. Like he was one of the first people I was like, I I wish he could still be with us. I guess I guess Jim Henson was before that. That was the first one that really. I didn't know Jim Henson died. Uh, t- t- you, yeah, you were born into a world with a dead Jim Henson. Yeah. <laughs> like an uh, like an alien when they find the 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 dead space pilot guys. Uh, Jim Henson was that space pilot. Was, I still remember when they, they told us Jim Henson died, I was in elementary school, and I remember my friend Jesse uh, turned to me 
And he told me. He said, uh, mercy. <laughs> he said, oh, uh, I, I forget any other of Jesse's Gustavo's catchphrases. So I'm going to move on. Uh, he says. He probably says that a lot, right? I don't think he says twins. I mean, he never the the twins are actually one person. They play a goof for an eight season television series. Anyways, uh, no, the uh, my friend turned to me and he's like, you know what that means, right? No more Ninja Turtles movies. And I remember just feeling like you've got to be like no more <laughs> Ninja Turtles were the biggest thing in the world to me. So suddenly a tap started playing on bagpipes in your head. <laughs> it was. It was like, I think it was right after the first Turtles movie came out. And I was like, there's no more <laughs> Ninja Turtles movies. There's not going to be any more. Uh, and I got to tell you, Jesse, if you're it sucks that they had to put all of them down. Uh, yeah, they got new ones, though. They definitely put that Donatello down and got a new one for the second one. Um, <laughs> but uh, they uh, – yeah, I, I got to tell you, Jesse, if you're listening, you were dead wrong. <laughs> Who's Don A. Tello? <laughs> yeah, so you recommended a podcast I had never heard of. Somehow never. It seems like it's been around a while. It seems like it's pretty big. Uh, so you will t- tell me what you recommended and why. I really, I got to start off, really hope that a podcast recommending a podcast is not um, too much up, up our own ass. Um, but uh, this is a podcast that I've grown fond of, um, and it's called SCP Archives. So, SCP Archives is um, fully produced audio uh, audio dramas, I guess it's the best category it would fall under, of yeah. S- SCP articles. And if you don't know what SCP is, uh, right, let me let me explain. Uh, SCP in all uppercase is secure, contain, protect, and it's this fictional foundation that acts in a sort of um, conspiratorial. They're an NGO. They 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 have partnerships with governments, but they're they're independent. They're a massive sweeping conspiracy to hide various paranormal phenomena from the broader public um, and protect the broader public. But they also, in the act of doing that, um, get, become very morally gray. Right, like in order to save the world, they often do very horrific, awful things. Um, and so, where did it start? So, um, long long ago. Um, 14 years ago, um, the there was a website, 4chan, <laughs> and uh, 4chan had a um, – are you familiar with the site, Aaron? Because yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with where hate comes from. <laughs> 4chan was not always uh, just B or poll, um, so their random site and their political uh, site. They, they, it was um, – it was just a sort of a, a uh, an er Reddit, um, and it was sort of just a place where people could go and have conversations. And it was also, but it was a place where you know the prisoners took over the asylum. Uh, they were parts of 4chan back in the day that were somewhat decent, um, but uh, this started on X, which was their paranormal only sort of subreddit or sub sub 4chan. Um, <laughs> X and X was uh, they would just talk about paranormal stuff. And it existed there for about a year before they got the fuck out of 4chan. Uh, the first story was published in 2007. And then in 2008, they formed their own wiki to try and gather up all these crowdsourced stories. And um, they formed their own wiki. And then I think sometime later that year, they found the current site they're in, which is kind of clunky looking. But I kind of yeah. like it because it looks retro. <laughs> um, did you get a chance to pop it? Look, at I did. Yeah, I played around a little bit in it. 
It um, is. Yeah. Fucking. Dense. I was. Well, on top of that, I was trying to uh, read the one of the case files for one of the podcast episodes, and it took me forever to figure out how to open the actual case file, and instead I opened two ads uh, to, but it was to a video camera, a local video camera, um, like that spells, spells, like that sells the types of video monitor cameras you would put around your house, and it was a Minnesota-based one, I'm like, this is dense, they've done a lot with this site, like, this is, <laughs> this is pretty impressive, and then I realized I had clicked on a fucking ad, and I had to go back and figure out how to get to the actual article. It's perfect ad placement, because ads for surveillance companies mix in pretty well with the, the flow of the, the site, but. Which is probably why it got suggested to me, but I legitimately thought, like, I'm like, I don't know what this has to do with this case file and how do they get a Minnesota number and the website itself looked like shit so I was like what what is going on so I I uh I brainwashed myself for a second <laughs> you're you're getting to the the reason that I recommended the podcast so um there's thousands of stories. There's roughly 6,000 plus stories on the site. Um, 6,000 plus entries. Sometimes they're just little ditties, um, like a paragraph long thing. Sometimes they're long sweeping segments of literature that are supposed to be like recovered sacred texts, um, which uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, a few of them. But the reason I love the podcast is one, I think the performances are really good. Um, and it's well produced. Uh, yeah. and two, <laughs> um, you literally need, you literally need any sort of gatekeeper to get you on through the site because there are 6,000 articles and a lot of them are very bad because it's crowdsourced. So even though it's crowdsourced, um, there's like a, a, a community feature or sorry, like a discussion feature with the moderators. So like when you post something, it gets put in a discussion page. And then it doesn't go live on the main site yet. And then a bunch of moderators can uh, vote it up, vote it down, give you recommendations on how to fix your story. And then if enough upvotes happen, your story goes live and it sort of becomes part of this rolling canon or canons. Because there's obviously this is like an X-Filesy kind of thing. So there's like alternate universe kind of stuff going on. So like in some canons, this happens. In some canons, this other stuff happens. Because of all that crazy shit. I wanted to show you one that was just a nice, isolated, creepy little story that I think would be fun to talk about. And then two that are part of a broader canon called The Scarlet King. Yes. So I listened to all three. Now, here's actually, let me back up a second before we actually get into it. So this is a little bit of a challenge to kind of talk about and I, I don't want to get this too far up our own ass because we're a podcast who is talking about podcasting but one of the challenges for something like this for me Peter is how do I listen to this in a way that makes the material effective right like mm-hmm. I, I find that problem with podcasts all the time there's podcasts that I like quite a bit and trying to figure out how to get into the environment where listening to it uh is meeting the material on its level and I'm paying attention to it and I'm enjoying it. 
is challenging for me. So pre-COVID, there was two places that I listened to podcasts. There was uh, the, the my commute to work. I had about a 45-minute to an hour one-way commute. So that was a lot of time for, uh, for podcasts and audiobooks. Or I listened to them. I'm one of those people that used to watch TV before when I was single. And I would drift off to sleep to that. I need the noise. I need something to distract my my brain. And podcasts have become the perfect thing for that. I can pop it in. I'm, I'm paying attention enough to it where my mind doesn't drift to like, you know, worrying about like our <laughs> global warming or something. You know, those terrible night thoughts that keep you up all night. Uh but not so engaged necessarily like a TV show where I'm keeping my eyes open in order to to stay focused. So here's the problem with both of those. A podcast like this, and I found this with other narrative or creepy horror stuff that I was listening to, usually doesn't fit with the first one. Because I find a drive-to-work commute is great for... Uh, or drive to and from work commute is great for discussion related podcasts, news related podcasts, nonfiction related podcasts. Not always like a train ride at three in the morning would be great for, you know, creepy fiction podcasts. 8.30 a.m. when you're trying to, like, just stay awake is not always – and avoid traffic and make turns and stuff like that. It's not always the best place for a podcast. I also find that drifting off to sleep narrative podcasts get a little tricky, too, because I want to pay attention to the narrative. And since I'm falling asleep at random times, I feel like it's easy for me to lose the thread of the story because I'm either re-listening to too much or missing things when I try to go back to it. And that's a problem for stuff like this. I know a lot of people uh, – there's, there's Lime Town. There's another one that I uh, that I the, that I really wanted to listen to that I just black tapes podcast or something like that. Oh and yeah, a few, and a few others that I rec- that were recommended to me, and I just again I, I'm interested to hear how you listen to this, and maybe it's just a, a way that our brains work. But I I also I just have a hard time listening to podcasts when I'm cleaning. That's for music or like doing things around the house because I can't focus enough on the words, and I'm not great at just closing my eyes and like sitting in a room and listening to a podcast because my mind ends up wandering. I end up going to the phone stuff like that. Now I'm prefacing with that because. I listened to two of these episodes with the lights off, the the podcast playing on the Spotify app on my TV so I could take notes on my phone, and I thought it was okay. The third episode, because I wanted to, like, experience – this is so dumb. But I did – I'm like, well, to give this a true fair shot, I, I should at least experience the podcast – in the in the format that I'm – one of the two formats I'm used to. And since I'm not driving anywhere right now, uh, I might as well listen to it as I go to sleep. And I got to tell you, Peter, this is a great go-to-sleep podcast because the episodes are short enough that you can get through most of it and creepy enough that it kind of sets you off to bed in this really weird, like – mystery fog so i listened to the third episode the one the the red queen right the scarlet king sorry start scarlet king it's a very Uh, funny it's a very funny uh i don't not malapropism i don't know uh yeah just an inverse (laughs) so the problem with the third one for a podcast for recording a podcast on how i listen to this podcast i find i found i got the most enjoyment out of this podcast 
from the third episode and the one that I went, I could listen to more of these, like in this oh, exact cool. in this exact way. However, it's also the one that uh, I didn't take any notes on for obvious reasons, and I'm probably least prepared to talk about because I was uh, drifting in and out of conscious uh, for for it. So let me let me let me start off there. Um, I agree with you uh, about halfway. I have a hard time with narrative podcasts because of that sort of thing, where you you do need to like really uh, find a time, the right time, the right place where your brain can engage uh, with the material without a. Vi- we're movie people, yeah. right? Like yeah. without the visual component, and where you're not fiddling and you you're not touching your phone, but also like. You can't be, yeah, like doing, I'm someone who listens to a lot of podcasts while I do activities like cleaning or um, cooking or, you know, building something. I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but they're all conversational, usually somewhat comedic, a light podcast. And those, those uh, are great because I can kind of pop in, pop out. Like there's a reason our podcast functions the way it does because I kind of like, I kind of like that they touch on a topic and then they move to a new topic. And like, if you're really paying close attention, you get something rewarding. And if you're kind of not paying attention, it doesn't matter. You're not lost. Whereas with narrative podcasts, one of the worst feelings is like, I just spent an hour listening to this and I have no idea what they've been talking about for the past 20 minutes. Yeah. And even like, just really quick on that, like, even though I also started to do a lot more audible and audio books on my, on my, you know, two hour a day total commute, I would primarily stick with either nonfiction books or, uh, fiction books that I um had already read. So, like, a fun, like, I haven't read this in 15 years. I'm going to listen to it because I don't feel like I need to be zoned into every part of the narrative to to get You know the broad strokes. I, yeah, I know the strokes. I know the strokes. I know this is it. Is this yeah. it? This is it. You know it. the strokes. You know the Julians. You know the Casablanca. You know I know it all. Yeah. But yeah, so I wanted you to to in, enjoy this because um <laughs> this is this is not a fuck you because this is something that I feel like well, I didn't think it was a fuck you because it was because it was it's... not hard on the second episode to Peter to go like, oh look, they said Lovecraft in the first 30 seconds. I wonder why Peter recommended. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is essentially something where I'm like this is so up Aaron's alley, but I want to force him to listen to it because specifically the issue you were talking about where you need to kind of park off time for it. And what I found basically is driving, which we don't do a lot of driving this time of year. <clears throat> um before bed, if I'm trying not to watch TV or be on my phone, sometimes I like to just sit in on the couch and just kind of like listen to to something like this and then go up to bed. Uh, and also working out. I've really liked listening to like Old Gods of Appalachia or the BBC has a really great Lovecraft podcast. Um, and but the thing is, I'm very picky about this stuff or, you know, on yeah. flights, I think is the ideal one because on flights, I don't actually want to have my eyes open, but like I'm going to be awake. Yeah. Um, but we're not flying right now either. So, um, that's actually where I got really into SCP was I had a bunch of very long flights, um, flying back and forth for, to Chicago over the holidays and, um, in 2016 or so. And, uh, this podcast was great because I I could just like, oh, I want to read these SCP stories, but I really don't want to engage with this stupid, awful site. (laughs) And I want someone to gatekeep for me. Like somebody just tell me what's the good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so here's kind of like, let me jump back a little bit to what these stories are. Uh, it's actually very interesting because I'm trying to, I'm trying to bully you also into play, playing the game Control. Um, control is, you're, you're going to. You're bullying me. I'm just waiting for the PS5 upgrade, Peter. I already bought it. It's, it's one I've of those. I've been bullied. It's, 
I was playing Alan Wake and Max Payne when you were in diapers. <laughs> you don't even pull sure me to play fucking control. How dare you, sir? I How I, dare you, sir? I think you and I played Max Payne uh, at, at, at both at release, and I think that explains a lot why my brain works this way. <laughs> um, uh, that was one of those. You were going back my, to my your mom and like, being like, uh, and then it was like, Wah! My brother and I got an Xbox for Christmas yeah. to share. And oh, if you had the Xbox said, version you had, from what I read on all the IGN reviews at the time, better looking bullet time than my PS2 version. Uh, yeah, the Xbox was really, it was really, the original Xbox was really strong. It was like a weird little PC for the time. It was really, really strange. Um, but, um, but my, that was a game where my dad made me, um, he was like, he was giving the gift to us. And then he was like, these games are for you. And then he was like, I heard this game is gnarly. You are not allowed to play this. And then that night, my brother's like, you want to play Max Payne with me? I was like, yeah, dad said I couldn't, obviously. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so uh, Control pulls a lot of inspiration from this and this sort of strange foundation and, and, and these strange objects that are, are trying to be classified by the foundation. Um, let me lay a couple sort of key indicators of what these store. So like, OK, uh, let me take a step back. Um, sometimes the, the, the stories are... Why don't you walk through what a typical... Like, so, they're 30-minute episodes, right? They're... Yeah, they're 30 minutes to an hour. They have... They, um... They're usually read by this male voice, uh, but they have other sort of narrators, and the male voice has very much like a G-man voice. Like, he's like, case file... <laughs> case file SCP-1981. Mm. object class keter like he's got a very cool kind of cadence um and sometimes the stories are just straight up creepy like the three i gave you today because i i think it's more fun to start with the straight up spooky stuff and the lovecraftian stuff for the latter two um and then sometimes it's absurdist comedy and sometimes it's a combo so like one of my favorites is scp 3008 which is about a bunch of people that walk into an ikea get stuck and then realize there's no way out of the ikea and then um, oh, so someone have... likes Louis Benal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of a, I was going to say, it's sort of a, a modernized version of... Oh, the um, Ikeanating angel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So nobody can leave the Ikea, which at first is a very funny sort of like, you know, consumerist kind of message or like a, hey, you know how you get stuck in Ikea? Isn't that crazy? It's it's all windy. Um, and then eventually it becomes actually very scary because it's about like essentially an apocalyptic survival scenario inside this Ikea when no one can get out. Um, and there's one that's also about like a basketball game um that like starts off very funny and then as time goes on like it gets horrifying um and some of them are just straight up just silly comedy um there's a couple of little terms i want to throw out there um there's amnestics which i think is kind of obvious from context maybe those get dropped a lot in amnestics essentially i think the best way to look at them is like it's literally the only way that this the scp foundation can work um because Certain members get am- amnesticized, and it's like the the light device for Men in Black, basically. Um, yeah, they talk about it all the time. Yeah, and it's basically so like you you can be working on an insane world ending project and then not really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a XK class end of the world scenario, which is a term they drop when they mean like, okay, this is like real shit. This is not like. Uh, some status quo shaking stuff that they're trying to avoid. This is like the real deal. A lot of the Scarlet King stories use the term XK class, end of the world scenario. And then the most important part uh, of all this is the conscious censoring of records, the redaction of records. Um, And when this is done right, 
It's super creepy, like in the SCP-1981, aka Reagan cut up. Um, there's a moment where they're they're naming all these um, that Reagan, this this uh, this guy, um, Ronald Reagan. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he's appearing in a uh, a tape, and every time you play the tape, you get different messages, and it's basically uh, a uh, a riff on Ronald Reagan gave this Evil Empire speech to a bunch of evangelical um evangelical ministers or whatever uh in the in the early 80s and it's uh the tape goes off script and he starts giving this like these terrifying apocalyptic predictions and his body starts getting uh vivisected just in like cuts start appearing on him and his arms getting lopped off and like every time you play the video different dialogue comes out of him in the speech and sometimes the audience is clapping and laughing and one very creepy one is like uh, he seemed to have knowledge of foreknowledge of future events like 9-11 or the, two, the fallout of the 2008 Russian elections or. And it's very creepy because you're like, oh, oh, really, really bad shit. And then they censor out um, key dialogue. And it's almost it is almost like uh, what people think of as Lovecraftian horror, but done in the context of like a bureaucratic memo. Um, where yeah, that's the other thing that's super like a lot of good Lovecraft stories and a lot of good like horror fiction story is less like plot, 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 but more uh, journalistic, right? Like I went, you know, so much of Lovecraft is like uh, I'm writing these letters to you to explain what happened, and a lot of of this is uh, you know basically like files that have been put into the foundation for. You know, noting. So it's a lot of memo stuff. It's a lot of here's this information, like scientific reporting stuff. It's it's dry, and then the uh, the dryness is um, is supposed to uh, elevate the mood of what you're hearing, right? Like it's it's not like oh my god, and then there was this. It's like and then the monster did X and Y, and another laceration appeared here, and like that. The the commonplace nature of the descriptions adds to the horror. Yeah, and it's it's like I, I'm sure all of us have read at some point. You read some WikiLeaks article talking about like horrific war crimes that were pushed under the rug, or uh, government reports on torture, and like yeah. how they morally justify it within their own report because they hired lawyers to write these reports. Like, yeah. there, there's stuff that like is very plain spoken and seems to cast no sort of uh, bias or moral judgment, but yeah. it's talking about horrific shit, um, and that's like how government memos and bureaucratic memos and corporate memos work and this is sort of riffing on that so i give you three stories scp 1981 uh reagan cut up which is sort of standalone. bozo dubbed over <laughs> yes um scp 231 i think SCP i'm gonna sell arms to the contras i hope i don't jack off <laughs> <laughs> well i think i'm gonna sell arms to the contras I hope I don't jack up. <laughs> oh, fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of masturbating, Nancy brings me a bowl of jelly beans. <laughs> and I masturbate directly into... <laughs> and then I masturbate in the bowl of jelly beans. I try to say I'm going to aim for the whites. <laughs> <laughs> I make... Franklin Graham eat the jelly beans. <laughs> Is this obscenity? He covets them quite a bit. 
Um, uh, what, so, what do you think of the the Reagan one? Because I thought so. Let me that let me speak like kind of because that sort of has like a it sort of has like a political bent, but then it gets like it it sort of well, has a political bent, but then it just gets like absurd <coughs> apocalyptic at a certain point. Yeah. So let me talk a couple of things just about generalities about these. I think a little bit before we get into specific episodes because I, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on each episode, but. Um, I so there's things I really like like conceptually all the stuff really works for me I think you know what a big X-Files fan I was I really like that kind of 90s era government paranoia because it seems uh, fun in a way that our current era of of conspiracies and government paranoia uh, does not like post the the 9-11 uh, and all that stuff, like government conspiracies, just stop being fun. <laughs> like I'm not saying they that there wasn't potentially a lot of damage done from all the crazy shit that people actually believed in the in the 90s, but it was a lot more like supernatural and um, science fictiony, like that kind of like we are engineering wars or the QAnon stuff. It just it's so boring. <laughs> I know, like it really like as a as a fictional narrative. It is boring. Like it is just m- murderous or psychopathy for the sake of of psychopathy, um, and that exists enough in our government under uh, the last few uh, presidencies, especially. So you know there are drones that are going out and killing people, and there are we are rounding up uh, prisoners in black sites and torturing them, and like you know killing civilians, and that's not even getting into like the Trump presidency and stuff like that. So like. Where you he know, just says the thing. I've actually never said, been more sure that there that 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 uh, the government doesn't have anything in in Area Fifty One or anything. Or like JFK uh, because is taped, yeah, n- yeah J- that there was nothing that he learned about JFK because like there's honestly actually actually I think the only thing that would that would uh, prevent that is uh, him actually never paying attention in meetings. Yeah, I don't think it would be curious because he would just they'd go no, and he's like, well, show me. Like it wouldn't be hard to. Uh, to get him off, to get him off that particular any topic he was that interested in, because he has the attention span of a baby. Uh, but I do like I really do find that era of um, like post Watergate '90s paranoia and conspiracies fun. Like I love the X Files. There's a lot of great movies about that kind of stuff that came out in the era. There's uh, you know, and uh, uh, don't you dare. Um, the music was littered with like weird references every other month there was a you know secret tape leaked on fox about an alien abduction thing like the history they started they they would produce all these weird tapes that you could just go rent at a at a video store about how we didn't land on the moon and real evidence of ufo's and like you know the kind of like easy availability of cameras and video recording device everywhere didn't really exist yet and the internet was kind of new so you'd go on and you'd find this stuff on the internet and you didn't you know you'd you didn't know enough to like know is this fake is this real is this finally like a way to get evidence out there and even though like so I mean, some of the '90s, I definitely believed in some of the stuff, and I eventually grew out of it and stuff like that. But like, even when I was out of it, I used to tell my friend uh, that my favorite, one of my favorite science fiction shows of all time. This is before they did Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. Uh, they did. Uh, they had like a ten-part series called the UFO Files, which essentially is what like Steven Spielberg made as that Taken miniseries. Like he, you know, but it was all purported to be true. And like this, it's like showing these government memos and like. Um, 
it was like just a narrative of like uh what were some of those like the something eight and like this and here's when eisenhower find this stuff and it like it's presented as like docufiction i mean it's presented as not fiction it's presented as like this is what people are saying and um but it's like super compelling just like from a like faux documentary of like oh like Here's the evidence of all this government conspiracy, the Majestic 12 and uh, all these sort of things. And I really enjoyed that. And this is a big callback to that. Like, uh, I'm not like besides the little crafty and stuff and a few of the stories, that idea of that meticulous attention to like detail and uh, government reports and this intricate like conspiracy because that's what that's what the x-files tapped into right it's not like one of the conspiracies is true all of them are true right yeah yeah Um, yeah. and that's what made like it it brought some of it down to reality and stuff like that they never tackled like 200 feet gods and stuff like that like like uh this one clearly does but that would have been interesting too um even if the x-files or some other show did that so i really love that and i do feel like that's something that we've lost a little bit just because like Yes, in retrospect, all the weirdo people that thought there was, like, the the Clintons were murderers and we didn't land on the moon and stuff like that. Like, like they probably all became uh, QAnon people and 9-11 was fake people and stuff like that. But, like, we talked about when we did the Don't You Dare on the Earth is Flat people. There is something that still feels, like, fascinating about the fictional narrative that they've created around something that is demonstrably not true. As opposed to this, which is, like, hey, don't vote for this person because they uh, are feeding on babies' blood. It's like, well, and and, uh, raping children. And I was like, that's not very... It's not a fun thing to believe. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, like it's it's a cool subject for a movie like Kill List or yeah. you know, like uh, other conspiracy, like The Conspiracy, which is like not a great movie, but it's it's fun in that level. Um, it's it's fun for like a uh, one dark movie, but like it's not something that's like fun to entertain and dance around in your mind because essentially you're just you're just like oh. You couldn't find good hits to land on left-leaning people, so you just came up with something that would manipulate both people with paranoid delusions and evangelical Christians and whatever Venn diagram happens between them. Yeah, so uh, it's so I, I like that as like a throwback to almost like '90s era conspiracy and paranoia, down to the meticulousness of it. I also would agree with you. Even stuff that I like, like Limetown, uh, and you told me this was even worse with the Black Tapes podcast, which you never got to. Like, I get it. These are these people that are making these podcasts and recording this stuff are not, for the most part, professional voice actors. Like, and even what they are, they're like, and I don't mean this as an insult, just like as a, you know, they're 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 probably like D list type. Like, I've done a few voiceovers for this and that, but like, or the friends that were just had a good voice. Yeah, I mean, like. Acting is it, acting is extremely difficult. Uh, that's why there's uh, very bad actors that get very big because sometimes just a look will get you through horrible line deliveries. And acting in like uh, reading a script on uh, in a radio drama can be extremely difficult too. And that can be fine uh, in most cases, but when you're trying to exude 
fear or the monster that you saw or something that's creepy, that can be difficult. Like, and I, again, I'm not trying to be dismissive of those things, but I like there's definitely moments of Limetown and stuff like that where I felt like the, the performance of someone having a breakdown felt more silly than scary. And that obviously takes away from the horror aspect that it's trying to that it's trying to do. Um, I thought this was extremely well uh extremely well performed um i i you know it is very that kind of calm creepy uh like you said uh half-life guy mr g Mm -hmm. reading but even the other readings that are like prophetic and stuff like that it feels good now i only listened to three episodes maybe there's some stuff that's a little more eyebrow raising but the stuff i listen to is good that's effective because it it hits that those horror beats well um the parts that i didn't like and i think it's something that as a um you know as you listen to something uh new i think podcast or tv show you know your first thing is like trying to figure out what level it's on so you can get there and then pretty you know usually it takes a few episodes of anything before you become a little bit of an obsessive so as i listen to these three episodes i could easily see myself getting there but i will say and this may just be the new person like the amount of designations they have on some of this stuff gets a little bit like it, it's really forcing me to pay attention. And I mean that in, in a negative way. <laughs> like, so here's what I'll say about the two latter episodes. So, uh, the, you know what I, you know what I'm talking about though, where it's like, and then SLC four, seven dash K did this, which was put into G four, seven, two thing. And it's like, okay, eventually both of those episodes broke out of that and got into some stuff that was, that was interesting. But there was a point where it's just like, okay, like maybe if I listened, I would feel like I, I get what's going on here. Or maybe the, the classification and rudimentary labeling and all the thing they're going on is like, is like, oh my god, they're being so simple with something that's so much bigger, which is where those episodes tend to go, or those episodes went. But for me, it was like, okay, like, I just, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and, and some of it is like, it, it's it's kayfabe, right? Like, yeah. you, you, you can't, when you're writing these, you're really trying to write these reports the way these reports would be written by this particular SCP foundation, like, you have to include a bunch of bland jargon but it's also something that like i'm very glad that i made you listen to the audio version but now that you have i want to like send you like um there's one i love called scp-001 the sun it's this big apocalyptic thing that has nothing to do with scarlet king um i don't think well, part of the reason um, I could just I send you site. like a cool side story and you could read that at your leisure in the course of, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. And if there's like a bunch of jargon when you're reading, your eyes kind of travel over it. But when someone's actually saying it, it sounds important. <laughs> well, so actually part of the reason I went to the website was on the second episode, the special personnel requirements episode, because I felt like there was so much jargon and like rule listing and stuff that was really hard to engage with that I felt like I wasn't tracking what was going on 15 minutes in so like i'm like i wonder if they have a like a summary and instead i found like a transcript of the first two-thirds of it so i like i hit pause and i kind of read up more because i'm like okay what is going on in this thing and i feel like even reading it it wasn't until the jargon script cut out and then there was like 10 minutes of prophetic like storytelling that i was like okay i'm still not a hundred percent sure how that first 20 minutes related 
but but I'm liking where where this is all <laughs> this is all going. So I do feel like it's a little bit like tough to like break into at least uh at least that that episode was. But I will say maybe the third episode had less of that um to my memory, but I did feel as I was like eye closing and it was the only thing in the world I was focusing on as I was falling asleep. I yeah. didn't feel that I didn't feel that way as much with the third episode. So okay, so talking about these things as like building Lovecraftian mystery with bureaucratic redaction. Um SCP two three one uh, which is the second episode I watched to watch special personnel requirements is about this procedure called procedure uh, 110 Montauk. Um, and it's essentially a story of they recovered seven women from a cult called the Children of the Scarlet King. And each one of these women uh, is continually giving birth to some form of abomination that the story does not let you uh, know about and these abominations cause mass casualties and then they have to be contained and so they they lay out how there's there's a procedure that essentially sounds like it's something between a torture and abortion and um a, a, a ritual that they have to perform in order to prevent these women from giving birth to these this cosmic um, antichrist-like events. Um, and so, they're purposefully vague with how horrifying 110 Montauk is because it makes it more scary. Or like, and then they talk about, like, we can't use any... Um, we can't use any sort of painkillers on her because she needs to be awake and conscious. She needs to feel every part of this or the procedure does not work. Um, and like that, they give little details like that just to let you know how fucking horrific it is. Uh, and they're also sort of sidelining this, this uh, cult that's going to come back in a few different episodes called the children of the Scarlet King, which is a really cool lore thing where it's this, uh, there's a, on the outside, there's a, a, a 60,000 person strong, like almost Westboro Baptist church style, just hate group. And the outer circle um, doesn't know what the inner circle is doing. They're just the inner circle is just using that as a way to funnel money and move people around and get and stockpile weapons. Um, and this inner circle, the children of the Scarlet King, were trying to bring back the Scarlet King. And so they write these um biblical texts um the first one so and what's interesting is the original stories 231 and 2317 do not include these these biblical texts that a woman reads uh, a woman performer reads at the end of the um the stories um these texts yeah i noticed when i was looking story. at the text stuff that it wasn't like it ended i'm like oh the text ended and there's 10 minutes left of this episode yeah, and so they're essentially um, in special personnel requirements, they're inserting uh, bits of biblical text every so often, and then uh, uh, about how the cult views the abduction of their women. Um, and then uh, it, it involves this story by this guy, uh, Jorick, I think is how you say his name, who wrote the story Dust and Blood, which is written in like, um, uh, 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 like epic... Uh, classical literature kind of style like Homerian literature about uh, the birth of the Scarlet King um, and then 2317 includes a story called Beneath Two Trees which is um, actually sorry 
Beneath Two Trees has the origins of the Scarlet King. Dust and Blood is just like a crazy piece of, of uh, you know, uh, Lovecraft text written by this Lovecraft cult. And it's stuff that like, I can't tell you what happened in any of the written word sections. All I know is that like the Scarlet King rose up. He had seven brides. Each one of these brides is like four uh, seven uh, brothers, right? Um, <laughs> Bless your beautiful hide. Uh, yeah, yeah. From, uh, from that's the problem. Is there are those seven brides? They're looking for seven brothers. You need seven brothers. Ideally, if they're your seven sisters, who we call brides, because what else are they? They're not humans. It's the fifties. Um, future brides, you you need to marry them. Future ideally, bride. all at once to seven different men, but all in the uh, same family. Yeah, it's just convenient um, to keep the, the bloodlines <laughs> together. Um, but yeah, so I can't tell you what happens in the birth, and the, you know, the, the um, about all this stuff, but I've listened to the story a bunch and it's just like, it's a feel, it's a, t- it's a tone. It's, it's maybe literally a tone poem. Um, and then the second one, SCP-2317 kind of a is Western. about a door to another world. Yeah. So it's actually like, that's an object that 231 is just about a procedure they have to keep performing. And then 2317 is about a physical object, which is the classic SCP, which is, we got this weird fucking thing locked in a room yep um so the door to another world is this chained 200 kilometer tall creature Mm -hmm. uh that will end the world if he's loosed and he's on his last chain um there's like seven chains or whatever and all six chains are broken yeah but i do i like like that's a really good example twist too well, I fell asleep before the twist, so I did not hear the twist the last <laughs> 10 minutes. I will listen tonight when I go to sleep, when I'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I won't spoil it. It's actually Don't really fun. If, any, if, if anybody wants to listen to this, like, it's actually very fun to listen to these these stories, like, as is, because, like, there's very fun twists in them. But, uh, yeah, I really like the way that, like, so, yeah, seven. Ch- they ha- there's seven chains holding in this creature. Six are broken. And you kind of realize that's a bad thing in the like as they just start describing things and that's where i think this one really started to click with me and i can see why it ends up being like a really fun rabbit hole to go down to start piecing together the narrative i'm sure if i listened to 100 episodes a lot of things would cross over and i'd have that like fun pang of recognition i mean it's kind of like why uh i think a lot of this kind of crowdsource stuff like um you know, like I, uh, I was never into like the creepy pasta stuff, but like, oh, we're gonna do a Slenderman thing, and then we're gonna create more narratives around that. And this is obviously different than that, but it's got that same kind of vibe of like an idea that people keep keep adding to. And like, so you know, as they're describing this, they're not saying there's not someone going. The six chains are broken, and if the seventh one breaks, we're in a, you know, the world we're in. They'll just describing you know this thing that stands. 200 kilometers tall and it's, you know, encased in this and it's behind this door and it, um, uh, it was, you know, it was attached to the wall by, or the, the, the structure by seven change, six of which are now broken. And like that, just that description of what they're seeing lets you fill in a lot of the blanks yourself. Yeah. They never, nobody ever says we're fucked, man. Um, yeah. No one ever says like, Ooh, is that bad? 
Like, yeah. you just get the sense of, of everything going on that if there's seven chains and six are broken and all these chains are tied to a, uh, to a, um, 200 kilometer tall, uh, creature. Yeah. That, that could be bad. Maybe yeah. you don't want that last chain to break. <laughs> and there's a very, there's a very fun twist in that. There's a very fun twist in the Reagan, the, the Reagan story. Um, I won't, I won't give away either of them, but like, um, the 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 i the one of the most fun things about this is that like because they're they get to go where short stories go where yeah. like the author of this was like i want this to end on as creepy a note as possible um so they do it and they're not really concerned about an ending yeah they're concerned about in being in keeping with the other scarlet king lore but they're not really in, in concerned about like uh oh I need to reset the status quo at the end of this because otherwise, what is the next story going to be about? <laughs> it's just like this, this set foundation is housing many, many things that could destroy our planet as we know it. Um, and they're not letting us know about the stuff that we're, we're literally like 1159 from doomsday. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're, you're 100% right. One of the things that short fiction can do really well, and this is like short anything, is like not present endings. Endings are the hardest part. Like, there's a reason why, you know, um, uh, there's like, you know, 10,000 Saturday Night Live sketches and three with good endings. <laughs> like, you know, and there's there's all these Stephen King books and maybe four with good endings. And like, you know, I remember hearing Bob Odenkirk um talk about like one of the things with Mr. Show they figured out is that endings were difficult so let's just never have them. Let's have part of the reason they did that format that was so great of like one sketch going into the, the next sketch is then they didn't have to come up with endings and that he was telling the story of like basically just like instead of having to constantly write the hardest thing that there is to write in short, you know, short format comedy which is in this case sketch comedy let's just do away with it and then it was hailed as genius but as a way to like do a sketch comedy show, but as they said, it was literally just uh, fucking tough to write, and you're never satisfied with them. And he was talking about um, watching Saturday Night Lives that he was a writer on. Uh, oh no, sorry, and this was separately. I remember hearing the same thing like from Conan O'Brien, who uh, was was talking about like uh, r- watching Saturday Night Live episodes that he was a writer on that he wrote a sketch, and he'd watch and goes, "Oh yeah, I wrote this." And his first thing he would go is like, I wonder what the ending was. And he like he's like 99 out of 100 times it was a bad ending that I go, yep, fuck, didn't get it. And and so I really like this in that with short fiction, to your point, like you don't have to have a definitive ending. You don't need to reset the status quo. You don't need it to always end on like a true conclusion. And that especially as well in like a series of short stories that have a element of interconnectivity where uh, much like sister, Mr. Show, uh, I would also watch sister show. Uh, (laughs) You're not gender exclusive. I'm not gender exclusive. Yeah. Sister show, uh, which is unrelated, but the sister show to Mr. Show. Um, But I would like that idea of, the next story doesn't have to have a true ending, but the next time we pick up this conspiracy thread, I can use that as a new beginning to whatever I want to go to next. And that's kind of like an ingenious way to have a hyper-connected, uh, uh, from what I gather, universe and have interconnected stories within that, but never have to deal with having to tell an, a definitive ending to anything and to use 
the endings to potentially set up new beginnings that other people can run with. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it and probably a good way to end this. Um, so what do you think this was? Do you think this was uh, a fuck you? Uh, well, no, I know, no, I think it was a... Well, first of all, I didn't think it was a fuck you. Was that a rating? I thought at the end it's like a... I either tell you fuck you or I uh, liked it and then like liked it would experience it again. Yeah. So I'm we'll going with the letter. Like I, I will listen to the ending tonight of that episode, which sounds like it has a cool twist. I'll probably like... With any listening to a podcast before bed, I have to back it up five to ten minutes and figure out where exactly I fell asleep before the timer <laughs> kicked in. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I, you know, there's, I, you know, again, up up our own ass with a podcast. I am one of the things I'm mildly looking forward to when uh, the pandemic's all over. Like, it's way down the list. It's probably like number 500. But I do feel like I have audiobooks piling up and, and podcasts piling up that just don't fit a situation where I would listen to it. And um, and I think, uh, you know, I, like when I'm on a plane ride or something like that, this is this would be a perfect podcast where I'm closing my eyes. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have the internet on my phone to distract me and I can get sucked up to a narrative. Uh, and if I concentrate so much that I go unconscious, even better because I like sleeping on planes. <laughs> well, I don't like sleeping <laughs> on planes, but I like waking up and being there already. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah, I got to dare you. Taking the dare, Aaron. What do you got for me? So, uh, for longtime listeners of this show, um, one of the first dares that you gave me, Peter, was a comic book. And you were like, I know, I know, you hate comic books. You, uh, you snub your nose at them. You think bad things about them. You're a bad person, but I want you to, to read this, right? Word for word, verbatim. That's how I write. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like me, a bad person who wants to read you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you recommended, uh, uh, graphic novels. I did. And it was true that I I, uh, I said for a long time that I didn't read much comic books as a kid. And as such, I had trouble really kind of – it was just – it felt like a format of the written language that my mind just couldn't really get into. So, as much as I tried over the years and had got, got through a few graphic novels or comic books, I just at some point was like, this isn't for me. And about a year and a half ago, when I really wanted to read Watchmen – before the um, the TV series, because I know I knew it was a sequel to the comic book and not the movie uh, changes. I was like, I am going to read Watchmen. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read this comic book. I'm going to force my way all the way through. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, I, okay. I think like, you know, about halfway through things were clicking to me. And I know this probably sounds silly if you're listening. But uh, like I was telling Peter when we did the Zero episode, I, there's a part of me that's like, okay, do I – how long do I look at these pictures? Like there's some gaps in between story stuff that I guess I'm filling in on my own. Like, you know, it's a different way to tell a story that I just didn't have as much experience with. Um, but I was really into it. And so I was like, I got to read more. And 
I started reading a bunch of like classic stuff and some stuff that uh, Peter had never read. Peter was great at recommending things that I should check out, which I have checked out a lot of it. Some of it I blew past Peter on, like when we were reading Berserk at the same time. And then uh, I was on volume 35 and he was on volume seven or something like that. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. A few weeks later. <laughs> you were, you were 20,000 pages into the book that I had, had only read a mere 2,000 pages. <laughs> yeah. What, what volume are you on? Oh, man. Wait till you get to this whole thing. So much has happened. You have no idea. Uh, I haven't seen my wife and kids in weeks. Um, <laughs> Let me guess. Cut some, cut some in half. One of those that I read pretty quickly after, though, uh, that I fucking loved and was like, you would love this. And it, it is a like it, – it feels like an early version of Watchmen specifically or that kind of storytelling of like, hey, are, can superheroes be bad type stuff but done in a really cool Alan Moore way is Miracle Man. And my dare to you, Peter, is to read all of Miracle Man. So, what that entailed, early comic, they eventually, like, colorized, like, I, but it's the same kind of thing. It, like, takes this kind of idea of 50s comic tropes of, like, the superhero family team and, like, subverts them. Cool. Uh, it's really, really fucking good. There's essentially three volumes of it um, that you can get some really nice hardcover versions. They also have the copies on Comixology. There's also a coda that was written later, like 15 years later, by Neil Gaiman, um, which is good, but not part of this uh, dare unless you really want to do it, which I have it. You can read it. It is uh, interesting, but inessential. Okay, cool. I will. I will definitely read that. That's exciting. So, Miracle Man volumes one through three, uh, and I think each one's like about 150 pages. So we're we're talking essentially like, you know, kind of a one omnibus, like a weekend. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and I will That's reread great. them too because it's it's fantastic, and I think I think you specifically will love them. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I am excited to read this. Okay. So, um, so check in anywhere from yeah. next week to eight years from now to hear what Peter thinks of Alan Moore's Miracle Man. The keeper of the city keys put shutters on the dreams. I wait outside the pilgrim's door with insufficient schemes. The black Chants the funeral march, the cracked brass bells will ring to summon back Fire Witch to the court of the Crimson. Thank you so much for listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> if you can't <laughs> uh if you don't have a few bucks to chip in we totally understand and you want to support the show 
show, we truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches. Peter and Aaron. (laughs) 